Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. We are continuing our study on communication, and we're using Dr. H. Norman Wright's book, Communication, Key to Your Marriage, as a basis for our discussion. You know, self-talk is what you tell yourself. The words you say to yourself about yourself, your spouse, your experiences, the past, the future, and even God. Those words come from your mind. Now, here's something very important for us to remember. Self-talk, or your inner conversation, is not an emotion or feeling, and it is not an attitude. However, repetitious self-talk turns into attitudes, values, beliefs, and feelings. The scriptures have much to say about thinking and our thought life. The words think, thought, and mind are used over 300 times in the Bible. Proverbs 23.7 says, As he thinks within himself, so is he. Often the scriptures refer to our heart as the source of our thoughts. Proverbs 15.28 reads, The mind of the uncompromisingly righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Matthew 15, verses 18 and 19 reads, But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. God knows the content of our thoughts. Proverbs 16.2 says, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits, the thoughts and intents of the heart. So let me ask you, how are your thoughts? Do you see the connection between what's occurring inside you and what you say? It's something to be very aware of for the health of your marriage relationship. Now there is good news. Our thought life can come under the control of the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 1.13 tells us to gird up our minds. This takes mental exertion, putting out of our minds anything that would hinder progress in our marriages. God's Word tells us to concentrate on, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Do you remember the old statement, make sure your brain is in gear before you engage your mouth? Well, that's basically what God's Word is saying. So often we think, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. I'd like to take it back. But once the words are spoken... It's done. There's no erase button, no rewind button. There's no judge telling the jury to disregard that last comment. When you take the time to think before you speak, you can evaluate, edit, and consider the impact of your words on the other person. 
You know, what would happen in a marriage if the following principles were consistently applied? And all of these come from the book of Proverbs. Careless words stab like a sword, but wise words bring healing. Patient people have great understanding, but people with quick tempers show their foolishness. Those who are careful about what they say keep themselves out of trouble. Do you see people who speak too quickly? There is more hope for a foolish person than for them. You know, we live in a culture that believes it's all right to lie, and some call it just modifying the truth. Well, what do we mean by this? Because to modify means to change. Thus, what is changed is no longer true, but a lie. Isn't it all right to lie if it means you can avoid unpleasantness in your relationship with a person? You know, we can all think of situations in which we feel it would be best not to speak the truth for fear of hurting the other person. But does lying really avoid unpleasantness? A lie is usually discovered, and then there is even more unpleasantness. Besides, who are we really afraid of hurting? The other person? Or ourselves. We have to be honest with ourselves about our motivation. Often we find it easy to lie if we can ease out of an unpleasant situation. Perhaps the most tempting opportunity to lie is when we're confronted with something we've done. We feel like altering the truth or rationalizing it in order to push the blame away from ourselves. Is it possible to tell the truth and yet hold back part of it because the other person is not ready for all the facts? Well, perhaps. But does holding back part of the information cause the person to think the opposite of what the truth actually is? Think about that. Well, what happens when a wife walks in and asks, How do you like my new dress? How does it look on me? Often a husband will say, fine, even though he doesn't like the dress and it doesn't look good on his wife. Well, let's hope the wife was being truthful in asking the question. Was she looking for an answer to her question or was she wanting her ego built up? We can also be deceitful by the questions we ask. In this situation, it would be better if the husband honestly shared his feelings. Marriage is built on trust, and there can be no trust unless there is truthfulness. Answering a question like this, as well as hundreds of others in marriage, requires tact. I think I've seen you in other dresses I like better is a much better response than, huh, it sure shows off your weight. Ephesians 4.15 exhorts us to speak the truth in love. The words in love could imply tact. Be concerned about how you speak the truth. Be sensitive to the other person and the ways in which you can make him receptive to words of truth. Do not rip the other person apart and scar him emotionally by frank, honest words that carry a tinge of brutality. Truth must be accompanied by love, tact, and a deep concern for the other person. There is a close correlation between truth and trust in a relationship. Another of Dr. Wright's keys to intimacy is to avoid quarreling. 
James writes in chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it because there is a whole army of evil desires within you? You want what you don't have, so you kill to get it. You long for what others have, and you can't afford it, so you start a fight to take it away from them. And yet the reason you don't have what you want is that you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask, you don't get it because your whole aim is wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Does Scripture mean that couples aren't going to have conflicts? Not at all. Two unique and different individuals cannot come together without adjustment and conflict. The individual tastes, preferences, habits, likes and dislikes, personality differences, values and standards will confront each other. But remember, conflict is not the same as quarreling. Disagreeing is not the same as quarreling. Verbal conflict in itself is not harmful. In fact, it can open the doors of communication. On the other hand, a quarrel is defined as verbal strife in which the emotions have taken over and the focus is more on the other person than on resolving the problem. When the quarrel is over, there's usually a greater distance between the couple or a residual bad feeling. God's Word is very specific about what to do with quarrels. People without good sense find fault with their neighbors, but those with understanding keep quiet. That's Proverbs 11.12. Starting a quarrel is like a leak in a dam, so stop it before a fight breaks out. Proverbs 17.14. Foolish people are always fighting, but avoiding quarrels will bring you honor. Proverbs 20, verse 3. Just as charcoal and wood keep a fire going, a quarrelsome person keeps an argument going. Proverbs 26, 21. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Romans 12, 18. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Ephesians 4.31 Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12.14 Well, another key to intimacy is to avoid criticizing. Criticism is a special brand of communication that cuts and destroys. In fact, Dr. John Gottman says it's one of the predictors of divorce. Its purpose is not to resolve conflict or draw a spouse closer. It's a way to feel justified and superior. It's a way to release anger. Every time you criticize, you find fault. You're saying to the other person, You're defective in some way, and I don't accept you. Criticism does have an effect on the other person. He or she will turn you off, counterattack, or become resentful. Criticism is a no-brainer. It doesn't work. It's ineffective. God's Word is clear on the issue. Then let us no more criticize and blame and pass judgment on one another, 
but rather decide and endeavor never to put a stumbling block or an obstacle or a hindrance in the way of a brother. Well, our time is gone for today. And as I close, I want to encourage you to attend one of the many Bible-believing and teaching churches here in the Treasure Valley. If you don't have a home church, we'd love to have you visit us. Our services at Cloverdale Church of God are on Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. And we're located at 3755 South Cloverdale Road. That's between Victory and Amity. Have a great weekend. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening, and be blessed.